Hello, and welcome to the Empowerography Podcast. This is a platform created for women's voices to be heard and a place to share their stories, journeys, and successes with the world for the purpose of helping other women who might be on similar journeys. We are empowering women one episode at a time. I'm your host, Brad Walsh, so kick back, grab one of your favorite beverages, and enjoy the stories. If you're looking for jewelry that makes an impact on your self-care routine and your style, Empowerography would love to offer you a discount code to one of our exclusive partners, Quartz and Canary Jewelry and Wellness Company. Please use code EMPOWER15 to receive 15% off upon checkout at www.quartzandcanary.com. Quartz and Canary is truly the place where spirituality meets style. Hello there, Brad Walsh here, your host of the Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest is Joanna Shaw. She is the principal lawyer and founder of JMS Law based in Barrie, Ontario. How are you doing today, Joanna? I am doing great. How are you? I'm doing very well, thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here and share a bit about your story and your journey with us today and be part of the Empowerography community. I appreciate you. Thank you. And I'm really happy to be here. I'm actually quite honored that you've asked me to be here. <laughs> I, I am truly the one who is honored that you'd like to be part of the community. So thank you. So let's jump right in. Joanna, as I mentioned, you are the principal lawyer and founder of JMS Law, a children's lawyer, a mediator, and the developer and facilitator of the Transformative Parenting Program. How long have you been practicing law, Joanna? I've been practicing law now for almost 17 years, actually September of this year, it'll be 17 years. Wow. Yeah. Time flies. It certainly does. (laughs) So what made you or inspired you to go down the path of being a children's lawyer? Well, I don't know that I really knew where I was going when I became a children's lawyer. I, uh, that was something that I think just happened for me. Um, I understand that uh, for me, lawyering is, is a practice of helping people and helping others to try and find their way. Right. And uh, I found um, after a, a few years of practicing, I realized that what I really wanted to do was to help children and to help families find their way. And the best way that I could do that was by helping children. So that's kind of how I fell into it. I I don't think that I really, I really kind of knew from day one that, oh, I'm going to be a children's lawyer. This is going to be the way it's going to be for the rest of my life. And and I do other types of law as well. Mm -hmm. So for me, children's lawyering is a, is an opportunity to really kind of help families in a way that I would not have been able to otherwise. I don't know if that answers that question, Brad. Yeah, yeah that's fine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Why did you decide to advocate for children? Because children, they're one of the most vulnerable group of people within our community. And I knew that not just from watching children as an adult, but from being a child, as we all have been, mm-hmm. right? On one, from uh, all of us at one point in our lives, this is where we started. And we realized if we have been thinking about it and we're aware of it, we, we probably quickly learned that our voice had very little power in the grown-up world. And and I believe that I wanted to give that voice uh, an opportunity to be heard. And so for me, this is where this this work very empowers me because I am able to now allow children to be heard in ways that they might not have otherwise been heard. 
Yeah, kids are usually just kind of not cast aside, but they're thought of, I guess, in some cases, seen and not heard, or that, oh, you know, if if something happens, oh, you know, they're a kid, they don't understand, or they'll they won't understand that they're too young to understand it. We don't give right. them as much credit as they deserve. Yeah, and and we also don't feel like they have anything important to say. We feel that as grown-ups, we know and and we have mastered life. And and that is actually one of the biggest misconceptions, I think. Uh, Children have a lot to teach us. And if we are paying attention and we're really focused on their teachings, we as adults stand to learn a lot. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more, 100%. Joanna, when did you start or found JMS Law and what was the inspiration behind starting your own firm? I started JMS uh, approximately six years ago. Okay. And uh, actually, it was started at the dare of another colleague because I, I was always. <laughs> I was I was always a sole practitioner and I always did my own thing and I always you know wanted to do things differently and so a colleague of mine said you know hey why don't you start your own law firm and I thought wow that sounds a very um a very difficult thing to do mm-hmm. and and whether or not I was able to achieve it it didn't really matter but I thought you know I'm I'm going to give it a whirl and the uh, the piece of why it was really important for me to make it work is because I was bringing to the practice of law something very different and this is what my colleague was daring me to do right uh, was really to bring the type of practice that I saw or envisioned in the future and while I was ultimately practicing that way I wasn't sure that I would be able to find other lawyers who wanted to practice the same way that I was practicing and you know for me uh, bringing compassion and kindness and and ultimately bringing um, a very yogic yogic philosophical principle mm-hmm. values to to a law firm was completely unheard of and and this is part of why my colleague I guess was daring me right. to do this and um, and I said okay well let's give it a whirl and see what happens <laughs> Now, you you just briefly mentioned that you approach law with a little bit of a different spin on it. So I know that you're big on transformation. I've seen and heard that word used quite a bit with you. So can you talk a bit more about your approach to law? I know you briefly just mentioned it, but can you go in a little more in depth about it? Yeah, I think that I've always approached life in a way that propelled me forward And I always, you know, this is something that's going to come up a little bit later as well. The vision that I have for myself is that I always want to to be better than I was yesterday. Right. And, and I don't always know what that looks like, except that I've, I've always felt that being better than yesterday really means that I need to be a better person. And so a lot of reflection for me anyways, goes into what does being a better person look like? And a better person really is someone who can empathize with the world around us, uh, see where there are gaps and then try to fill those gaps in whatever way possible that's going to make the community a better place. And the story that I often tell to many of the parents that I work with is, you know, I want one day that when I grow old and very old, this will be, um, and I'm crossing <laughs> that street um, and I need help 
I need to know that your children will be emotionally grounded and, and amazing young people who are going to do that with loving kindness. And in order for me to do that, I need to model for them mm-hmm. and I need for you to model for them. And so I have to model for you. And what does that mean? Well, it means I need to become a better person all around. And so transformation, it's about really taking any circumstances you have been born into or have lived in and transforming it into something beautiful and magical and learning from that experience to make the magic happen for you. Amazing. So let me ask you, was, was this approach something that you've always incorporated into your law and practicing law? And from the beginning of, of starting JMS, was this part, was this always going to be the way that you wanted to incorporate this into your firm and into your employees as you brought them on board with you? Absolutely. Absolutely. It, uh, it, it wasn't always easy. <laughs> I will admit because we are trained as lawyers in a certain way. And, uh, the traditional way of lawyering is, you know, the bravado way, the way yeah. that we have to, uh, be stone faced and, you know, we're at that poker table, not showing our cards, you know, and, and, um, that's how we're trained. We're trained to make arguments and to defeat our opponents. And to do that, we have to have a certain type of heart centeredness, which is many people will say, you know, it's cold hearted or it's dark. Um, and so we're trained that way because we are trained to protect our clients. And one way to do that is, is by practicing this very traditional form of law. Right. I don't agree with it in, in the same way that, that some people practice it, uh, wholeheartedly in, in that way, in that very traditional way. Um, and I, and I know that many of us don't agree with it. I know that there are many lawyers and even judges who are now coming to the forefront and saying, you know, we need to find a better way. Yeah. because our community is is being harmed in the way that things have been done historically and not just in law and i i would i would venture to say in almost any profession we we've we have a very um a very institutionalized cold-hearted way sometimes of, of viewing the world and practicing from that space and it's damaging even to the people who are practicing themselves sure. right so so let me ask you then, how does this all factor into when you're, when you're hiring lawyers for your firm, how, how do you factor this practice the way you practice yeah. into your interview process and, just, <laughs> and making decisions about who you hire? Yeah. Well, we have, um, we have a very specific um, group of questions that we ask people mm. uh, to identify their personality and identify their values because okay. people's values are really what's fundamental in terms of how they live their lives. Right. And, mm-hmm. and you can get a lot from a person when you're communicating with them and you know, this probably better than I do, Brad, uh, because you interview people all the time is the way in which people answer certain questions, especially questions that focuses on values. Mm-hmm. You get a sense of whether or not they're on board with you. Now it took us some time to learn how to do that. Yeah. That, that's not something that we knew right off the bat how to do. So there's a lot of trial and error uh-huh. and a lot of times where, you know, we hired people who were not necessarily on board with us who really, you know, express that they were in words, but their, their actions and behaviors didn't, didn't align with that. Right. And, 
and having to say goodbye to those people for me as a person who is very empathetic yeah. um, and want to see all of the goodness in people it's really hard it was hard for me even to say goodbye to them uh-huh. and, um, and and I still have a great deal of affection for them because I see them in the community and I see them <laughs> yeah. in other places and, yeah. and I have a great deal of affection for them and and compassion for where they're at and and always hope the best for them mm-hmm. but I'm, I'm sure you've honed that that skill now I mean you're six six years in and I'm sure it's gotten a little bit easier yes <laughs> it is it's a lot easier and and you know a lot of it too is is how we support our team yeah we have a very um a systematic way of supporting our team mm-hmm. and uh, that support comes from a a place of and, and I know this is going to sound cliche and it's going to sound like I'm you know saying the same words over and over again but I don't know that I can say them enough these words you know a whole mm-hmm. the, the whole idea of love and connection and you know being able to feel when someone is not in a good space and and being able to go to them and say hey you know it looks like you might need an opportunity to have a conversation or to share something that's going on for you what could that be you know and let's go for a drink let's have a conversation yeah. about that or or even let's just sit and have some chocolate cake you know <laughs> so, cake, cake always yeah. does the trick and 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 we celebrate a lot here that's we awesome. celebrate a lot at, at jms we um we celebrate every little thing um because we believe that you know finding the small uh the the, the small magic and joy in mm-hmm. life as we go through it uh every day is really critical and, for sure uh, so yeah I, th- I think that's incredible i love your approach to it and i mean i'm sure there are not many if there are even any other firms out there that practice along the same lines as you and i mean as you said you, you're you're there for your employees you support them and i think that that is such an important thing because you think about all the big i mean i worked in in corporate and they they talked about and preached people first but it was bullshit And I think that the sooner that these corporations realize that the better you treat your people, the better off everybody's going to be because they'll want to put in the work for you. They'll want to work that much harder for you if you treat them with respect and you treat them well and you care and you show that you care about them and what they're dealing with. Yeah. And, and a big part of that, Brad, is is helping people to see the value that they bring to the Mm -hmm. table. Yeah. Right. And everyone brings value. And, and I, I can't do what I do without my team. I can't be the person that I am today without my team being mm-hmm. solid in who they are and reminding them of who, how important they are, not just to, to the firm, but also to themselves and their own families and the community. Yeah. So it's always driving those points home that we're here to do something greater and bigger. And if we can all buy into what that greater and bigger looks like, then we can have, uh, we can have a great life together as a team and as a family. Like I, I see the people in my, my firm, honestly, and, and it's, again, it sounds really cliche, but they are, they are my family. Uh, I love it. And I I can't live my day without them the same way that, you know, they might feel that they can't be, Mm -hmm. they can't live without a job. It's not about the job, right? It's about the family and about the connection that we have. That's right. It's it's about relationships. Yes, totally, totally. Well, kudos to you for doing what you're doing. I think it's incredible. And I think more companies, businesses, small and big, can take a page from your book. I think it's amazing. 
Thank you. I appreciate that. It also depends on the people that you're working with, right? I've been very fortunate to gather a group of people who are as passionate as they are and, Mm -hmm. and are as connected to me as they are. So, you know, and like I said, it took some time and it wasn't easy. And and there were times when I wanted to throw in the towel. So for anyone who's thinking about doing this, uh, my, my suggestion would always be to stay the course, know what your values are, know what it is that you're trying to bring to the world and and just keep looking for those people who can support you and work with you in that way and eventually they show up find your tribe yes yes <laughs> totally <laughs> yes totally now joanna you have 13 people that work at your firm right that's correct yes and from what I understand, it's an all-female law firm. Is that correct? <laughs> it is. It is with the exception of my son. Right. Um, yes. <laughs> I, I think that is so damn kick-ass and cool. Was that something that was planned? Like, did you want an all-female law firm or did it just kind of happen that way because of the way you practice and your, and your mm-hmm. practices that you have in place for your business? I think it just happened, Brad. It it was not planned at all. Uh, You know, we interviewed a lot of male lawyers um, and granted our clerks, most of the clerks, the people who apply for those jobs are generally speaking women. Um, And in terms of lawyers, we interviewed male lawyers and for whatever reason, um, they couldn't see themselves operating the way that I do. I mean, my my uh, logo is a lotus flower for crying mm-hmm. out loud. It's not the scales <laughs> of justice, right? And it's purple, <laughs> right? And there's a reason why it's purple. Purple is representative of the, you know, the highest um, level of, of spirituality, right? It is the, it is the, the, the color of integrity and, and strength in, in from a very deep, place and a lot of men don't identify with that right they have a lot of difficult especially in law right we are in a very traditional profession and uh, it hasn't changed fully yet uh, Mm -hmm. to really sort of um, embrace those other pieces you know both the male the masculine and the feminine it's certainly sort of still leaning heavily towards the masculine and it's unfortunate but um, I know a lot of male lawyers actually who are you know uh, could potentially identify with this, but they're working in a different context, not necessarily our context. And, right. and they, they are friends that I've known for many, many years. So they're not, um, they weren't planning on coming on board the JMS just yet, but who knows, maybe someday in mm-hmm. the future. Yeah. But generally speaking, finding lawyers, male lawyers who want to operate from this particular perspective. And, and of course, also being led by a woman. Yeah. Right. That's really hard for men. Well, that's an Uh, ego driven thing, right? Yeah. Yeah. That bravado that you spoke about. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, to be led by a woman and to be to be given this this, uh, I guess, directive to operate from a place of compassion and kindness and to be community focused and and to be vulnerable in, in an environment, I mean, our environment is a very vulnerable one. We mm-hmm. you know someone is feeling pain. We talk about it. Someone is feeling disrespected. We, we talk about it. Yeah. 
Um, and so that may not be, and I, we have not seen yet a, a man who's prepared to join our <laughs> tribe in that way, except for my son, by the way, my son actually right. is incredible at this, but this is not his, um, his passion, of course, right. as you know, his yes. passion, I think we mentioned this yes. is, is music and, yes, and right. probably, you know, the fact that he's very art artistic minded mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is what allows him to really sort of flow with with the group of us in the way that we do yeah I, w- I would agree i think that that has something to do with it for sure now i mean you said you've been practicing law for, it'll be 17 years this september so have you yeah. noticed a shift in terms of women in in higher positions within the law and within law firms and whatnot i mean i know you're out on your own but mm-hmm. have you noticed a shift and has that increased in terms of uh-huh. more women getting on board I can't say that I've noticed an increase of women in positions of power mm-hmm. in the legal world. Uh, I can say that there has been from time to time, there's the spotting here and there, mm-hmm. you know, of women uh, getting into those positions. And and I actually don't really pay attention to that as much as, okay. as many people do. Mm-hmm. I do know, I mean, we have a lot of female judges, more female judges than, than we ever have had mm-hmm. in the past. Um, we have, um, you know, a lot of the big firms, I can't say that they're run by women, but I can say that women are very close to the top in those particular mm-hmm. firms. Um, whether or not though their values and principles are heard in that um, in in the way in which the firm is operated, I am not sure entirely okay. because I've spoken to some of my female colleagues um, who said, you know, I wish I could be, I, I wish we could do what you're doing in your firm, and yeah. and then I want to say, well, why aren't you right? And yeah. usually it's because someone has. Uh, put out a directive that that's not appropriate. And usually it's a guy. Yes, I was just going <laughs> to say know? because it's a male-run firm. Yeah, yeah. And that's not uh, that's not the way we do things or traditionally that's not the way we've done things, right? So, mm-hmm. um, I mean, for example, I'll give you a really brief example. Sure. We have a, a service dog here. Her mm-hmm. name is Magic. And um, <laughs> and she's really just the coolest, coolest animal. Um, and she really centers us a lot. Mm-hmm. And I remember a colleague of mine saying, you know, and she's in a big firm in Toronto and she said I wish we could do that we could have a a service dog in the office and I said well why not why can't you do that she says oh Joanna you have no idea there would be so many um we'd have to put out all kinds of requests and protocols would have to be followed and you know people would have to have their input and their opinions and it could take years before yeah. that happens right all the red tape. so yeah and i thought wow i just decided and here she is <laughs> you know <laughs> so and, what was that decision based on then to bring in a service dog uh i think it was just you know it was just a heart-centered decision. Okay. It, it was just, you know what? Here is magic. Magic came to visit with us. Um, mm-hmm. It was a charity that we were about to uh, support, Cope mm-hmm. Dogs here in Barrie. And, and um, the magic came in and I said, hey, you know, she is so incredible. I feel so much calmer that she's here. Why don't we get <laughs> a service wow. call? And then everybody just said, yeah, why don't we? And boom, there she was. <laughs> so, well. You you are a trailblazer. I love what you're doing. I think it's incredible. All these different things, shifting the way of thinking, shifting the mindset around law and what is normalized at different firms. And you just shaking that whole thing up. I think it's incredible. 
Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, you know, you just go with the flow. You go with what feels right. And what well, it is good. your it is your firm, so you can do whatever you want. <laughs> That's right. And but the thing is, you know, I should say I do whatever I want, but I also gather the input of my team, yes. and and I look to see where they're in need as well, right? Mm-hmm, and I say, mm-hmm. okay, how can we fill this gap? So always being alive and aware to other yeah. people's emotions and feelings and, and where they are sitting at any given time. And, you know, magic has come in very handy in situations where I'm representing children. And oh, uh, she's sure. She's been the catalyst for children speaking out in situations that they might not have otherwise spoken out. And, you know, I had a child client who was for me, meeting me for the first time said, you know, um, I know, I don't know that I'm ready to speak about what gender I'd like to be. And mm-hmm. um, I said, OK, well, you don't have to tell me, but do you think that you might be able to tell magic? <laughs> and she said, yeah, of course. So then That's I said, awesome. OK, I'll, I'll leave the room and let you magic have a conversation. <laughs> and they did, you know, I and love then the next time she came to visit with me she now being a he Mm -hmm. said to me um you know um now that i've told magic i think i'm ready to tell you Ah, that's incredible so So good it's the calming effect right that's amazing yes i love it yes so as we mentioned you have all female an all-female law team how does that feel for you especially being a woman knowing that you have a team of female lawyers and all female you know i i don't feel any way special honestly Mm. (laughs) i feel like i am surrounded by people who inspire me and whom i can inspire and feel empowered by and who feel empowered by me. And honestly, Brad, if they were, if it was a group of men, I think I would feel just as good. I, I don't, I really wish that there were more men who were open to this notion into this idea or the ideas that, that we are sharing and spreading here. Quite honestly, I think we'd have a, a much, much uh, better world mm-hmm. if we were all on the same page and we can all see each other for the value that we bring to the table. So I don't know that I feel much different that it's all women. And in fact, it's only when people remind me that we're all women that I think, <laughs> oh, right, of course we are. <laughs> I never noticed that. Well, I did, but you know, yeah. it, it never, it's it not just escapes you. Yeah, it it's is. It's not at the forefront, mean. right? Yeah, yeah. So speaking, yeah. speaking of empowerment, what does that word mean to you? Mm, empowerment. It means the freedom to be able to speak, speak your own words, speak your voice, speak your truth, whatever that looks like without harming others, of course. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's the ability to wake up every morning and feel like you are ready to change the world and that you have the capacity to do it, you know, and to believe in yourself enough to know that there, that you have everything that it takes to make a difference every day. And, uh, you know, when we're disempowered is when we feel like there are all these rules and, and limitations in front of us. So sometimes describing empowerment for me is describing what's not empowering, right? So the ability to really come to the table and feeling free to act and to be and to say without judgment and knowing that, and, and also being careful, you know, like I use that word when I say to people, you know, the freedom to speak your truth, speaking your truth 
truth is not to be harmful to others, uh-huh. right? It's to, it's speaking your truth means, wow, I feel this way, but I'm also open to hearing how you feel about right. me saying what I've just said. Yeah. And, and I'm open to understanding and appreciating what's limiting you and what is, what is causing you to feel disconnected from me when I say and do the things that I've just said and done. Right. And Mm -hmm. um, so it's opening that dialogue and feeling empowered to do it. Awesome. What is the most exciting part for you or what lights you up the most about what you do for a living? (laughs) Uh, the inspiration I get, um, the creativity that I get to engage in every day. I don't know. I come to work every day and I'm inspired by my team. And uh, I, I can't imagine a better way of living my life than to be amidst a group of people who inspire me so greatly and, and who allow me to allow me the freedom in many ways to to do this, to have these uh-huh. conversations with you, right? And, uh-huh. and to go out and to, to change the world um, together, right? So they, they walk with me in that change. And I went to law school. I remember my first day in law school. And um, I my first thought was when I stepped foot into Osgoode Hall, my first thought was, I'm now ready to change the world. I'm going to change the world. You know, the mm-hmm. sky is the limit. Um, and then having a professor say to to the group, everybody, well, now you're the creme de la creme. This, these were his words. Right. You're the creme de la creme. But don't you ever, don't you ever become so embroiled in this idea that there is such a thing as justice. And I wow. thought, wow. That's <laughs> Holy! It, it was yeah, it was very powerful. But you know what? He was correct in the sense that I've come to realize that justice really exists in the hearts of people, uh-huh. not in institutions, not in you know all of the things that we try to imagine that they exist in. It's really in the hearts of of every person that we encounter, and we all have to act from a place of justice. And, and justice is really about the compassion and the kindness that we can feel for those around us. And so I really, you know, after 17 years, I'm really truly understanding what uh-huh. that really means. And and so he wasn't wrong. Uh-huh. Um, he just didn't express it yeah, <laughs> in yeah. the way that, you know, that that we could understand or that, you know, the way that I'm expressing it now, I think, again, it comes down to the bravado and, and the the traditional way in which law was to be, was to be practiced. And, and I would like to move away from that tradition as much as I can. And you certainly have, hence your practice and your approach to the law. I think it's amazing. Thank you. Now, was part of the reason for getting into law for you, did that have anything to do with, because I know you went through your own personal struggles. Did, did that play a factor into why you just, why you chose the path of law at all? Yes. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Good question. Okay. I have always wanted to be a lawyer ever since I, um, ever since I became self-aware. So in, when I say that, I mean, aware of myself as a child, you know, I was six years old, if I recall correctly, and looking around me and realizing that power came from the law. It came from a system that, um, where there was authority. And for me at the age of six, 
law was the authority. And I wanted to be able to protect my family as a child. And um, because my family struggled tremendously, my mother and my father um, were uh, two people that fought um, Mm -hmm. intensely, uh, separated numerous times. Um, So I was in the midst of a lot of discontent between my parents. And um, my mom fled uh, our country when I was 14 years old. She was fleeing my father's abuse as well as political violence because there was a lot of that in our country and so she brought me here in the hope that she could protect me from all of those things Mm -hmm. and in her single parenthood while I was here she was so focused on trying to put a roof over her head and food on the table that there was no relationship between her and I and we could not, uh, we couldn't see eye to eye. So as a result, I actually went into a very deep depression and, mm-hmm. and uh, which also had a lot of anxiety related to it. I think I went from anxiety to depression. I became homeless for about three years of wow. my life. Um, I then became a single parent myself um, at the age of 22. And uh, when my son was born, I realized that I, I could... I could do one of two things. I could either continue on the path of my family or Mm -hmm. I could change my life um, entirely and and do something different and and that I had to do it for my son. So I then started to think about, okay, so what is it that really um, made me very passionate? And for me, it was the ability to make decisions for people Mm -hmm. and uh, to, to show people a better way and I couldn't really see doing it any other way than law honestly um, because I felt that yes I could because I also wanted to be a psychologist many years ago <laughs> and <laughs> and I thought well yes I could I could do therapy but what if people don't listen mm-hmm. okay law it is and um, <laughs> and there you go so I actually went to law school to become a judge not wow. necessarily to uh, to be a lawyer and then when I learned that I had to be a lawyer for 10 years I thought oh no um, <laughs> one of those you know yeah. um, and, and in any event I'm I'm very happy to be a lawyer I love working with some of my colleagues who are incredible people mm-hmm. and um, you know I go back and forth from time to time I'd still like to be a judge someday if that ever happens but the reality is is that I, I do love what I do and I love spending the time with the people that I do now so I'm I'm quite uh, quite happy so so yeah th- those struggles really led me to make decisions that would ultimately guide me to a place that I could help others and realizing that that's really that that is really my purpose on this Mm. planet and and in order to do that I also have to help myself so isn't it incredible though to have found your purpose and have what you do as your purpose what you do every day impact and give back and help other people yes there's no feeling like it truly yes I agree I'm with you 100 (laughs) percent so how have these experiences helped shape the Joanna you are today, do you think? Mm. I would say that it really helped me to deepen my empathetic approach to things. It deepened my sense of compassion and 
it helped me to understand. So all the experiences that I've had helped me to understand people better and to be able to sit with people in the pain that they experience. So I don't just hear it and I don't just ask questions about it. I can actually be there with them. And I'll give you an example. I, um, from time to time, will speak with young people, children, especially um, who've been apprehended uh, by the Children's Aid Society and are in care and in foster care. And when I listen to children who've just been apprehended, I can actually feel with them the feelings of what that would have felt like for them to be removed from the one thing that they knew and the only thing that they knew and understood mm-hmm. about life and themselves and be placed in a home with people that they don't know, have to sleep in a bed that they don't, they don't, um, they're not familiar with, yeah. have to follow rules that they may never have had to follow before and to lose everything they ever knew about themselves so their very identity up until that point or because someone else has been been um painting for them who they were which usually isn't the case you know who we are is really who we decide but they don't know that at that point because someone's very conditioned them extremely well and so the pain of that the the loss of their they feel the abandonment that they feel I can be there with them because I experienced that when I was a child, when I was 10, my mom sent me to Canada to live with a distant family member that I didn't know. And I remember the pain of that experience and, and how much I missed my mom, even though, uh, you know, I had experienced a lot of struggle with my mom and my Mm -hmm. dad, and it was a very painful experience with them. Um, It didn't matter, you know, they were my family, they were my mom and my dad and, and to be put in a place where I knew absolutely no one and, and I didn't, no one represented who I was, and I had no history in that moment, like, it was a very painful time. And so when I sit with kids and they tell me that story, I can cry with them because I I know, like I can, I can be there in the moment with them. Yeah. Because you've been through it. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible. Well, I mean, you've risen up from, from what you've been through and accomplished some pretty amazing things and you're giving back and impacting other people through your experiences. So uh, the work you're doing is incredible. Um, Just amazing. Thank you. Now, speaking of rising up and and doing incredible things, you were nominated for the RBC Woman of Influence Award for 2021. How did that feel for you? (laughs) Um, Incredibly humbling (laughs) because it's, it's interesting. I never... I I don't ever do anything and I know that this is going to sound really crazy, but I never do anything for accolades. I do it because it's just where I'm guided. And so when something, when someone acknowledges it or recognizes it, I almost feel embarrassed slightly. Mm -hmm. I will be honest. Um, I feel really embarrassed because I think, Oh no, wait a minute. (laughs) You know, um, what do I say? What do I do? I don't know. Um, so there's that initial feeling of embarrassment and humbleness and, you know, disbelief because you, I know that there are lots of really amazing women out there and Mm -hmm. amazing people in general who are doing incredible things. And, and I don't ever anticipate that I will ever win something like this because it's not the kind of thing that I'm turning my 
my mind to. Right. But I'm just humbled by the fact that someone actually sees it and acknowledges that I'm doing something that matters to them. And and that for me is incredibly humbling. And to just simply be nominated and to feel the, that someone else is is feeling that what I'm doing is important. Mm-hmm. Um, it inspires me too, you know, it, it gives me great, it gives me pause. It, it gives me the cause to really pause and say, listen, obviously you're on the right tracks. It's also a reminder that I'm on the right track, right? Yeah. Cause someone else sees it, they acknowledge it. They feel like, wow, you know, this is needed. And, and then it helps me to kind of gauge, okay, I'm, I'm good. I'm yeah. good to go. And, and uh, obviously people need this. And, and then I want to do better, you know, <laughs> because um, when people acknowledge things about you, you feel like you have to live up to something yeah. greater. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And you're being so, held to a certain standard. Yeah. Yeah. So, so that's kind of how it all, it all feels. If I could sum it all up in that little, that little feel, that's it. (laughs) Amazing. Now you and your law firm also do some work with local charities. Can you talk to us a bit about that and your involvement with those? Yeah, we, um, uh, last year when COVID hit, we wanted to find a way to give back. We knew that a lot of charities were struggling and so we decided to partner with them and, um, uh, do a lot of advertising for them. And then they advertised for us. And um, what we did was we donated 20% of our earnings in uh, from our real estate practice and our wills and estates practice uh, mm-hmm. to that local charity. And really what we wanted to do was to raise awareness and, and in the hope that other businesses who were also doing well would, um, would then step up and, and yeah. assist in whatever way they could. So it was a way to inspire other businesses. Uh, it was a way to remind charities that they were not alone and that we were still thinking about them. Um, even though we ourselves, I mean, we, we were not, um, you know, we weren't exactly uh, in a, in a, an immensely great place either, but we wanted to find a way to give back with what we could give back. And uh, so, yeah, we, and, and we've always done that. So it wasn't Mm -hmm. just COVID. I mean, historically uh, at Christmas time, we always find a way to, um, to give back to the community directly. If we can, I think um, a number of Christmases, we put together these knapsacks for people on the street and we go and we hand it out to them Um, on Christmas day. I, organized uh, with um, the help of my family we organized uh, um, kind of like a tea and coffee event at one of the local restaurants here in Barrie where anyone who was alone at Christmas could yeah. come by and have a conversation with coffee and treats and and we spent the day with people and we did that Amazing. two Christmases in a row and we wanted to do it last year of course we couldn't because yeah. of COVID and mm. you know when COVID is no longer here obviously we'll be going back to those practices I think everything we do here at the firm for me that's just how i'm wired Brad. yeah <laughs> and, I love my it son, and my son you know fortunately is wired in the same way i mean yeah. he's raised by me so um yeah <laughs> that's just what we do <laughs> it's amazing yet another thing that that sets you apart as a law firm as a person as someone who runs a business from from other businesses i think it's amazing 
Thank you. And and that actually comes from my history as well, right? I remember yeah. what it was like to be alone on the street and not have a place to go. Yeah. And, um, you know, yes, I could have gone to the soup kitchen and go to places where there was food given, but I wanted to go to a place where people, um, where the people would see me and, for who I was and, and to feel like I had my dignity still left in me. Right. And that I wasn't being stripped of that and, uh-huh. and that I was still valuable and worthy and so that's everything we do. We try to ensure that that is the element that we want to share is that, you know, we are all human beings and we, no one can take our dignity unless we allow them to. Right. And, and that sense of empowerment of who you are and that we do care. And, you know, you're, you're very much a part of us in whatever way. Like yeah. I see, I see myself in them. If, if that makes yeah, any sense sure. at all. Well, I, for one, think it's incredible because so often people forget where they came from and mm-hmm. you obviously haven't, and you're still continuing to go back there and help others. So I think it's incredible. I'll, I'll be honest with you. There are days when I wish I could forget. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. But, but I, I don't, I, there are days when I do wish I could forget, but, but I, but I do recognize that if I forget, if I ever forget, then I will lose my humanity Right. and right. I can't do that. To date, would you say what would you say is your biggest high or your greatest win? Wow, I saw that question and I really, I really um, didn't have to think very hard on it. My greatest win really is my family, and I mean that from both my personal family and my my work family. And and if I was to sort of say how, what led to that achievement, I would have to say. Uh, the first thing that came before that achievement was really my deeper understanding of who I am and my connection to my source and to what it means to be a human being. And when I discovered that love inside myself for me, and then I was able to, to nurture and to bring my family together, both work and personal. So I would have to say that that is my greatest achievement. And again, I know that all sounds cheesy. Not at all. Um, and and I wish that it didn't, but but it's true. It's my own self discovery of how important I am that then led to that. So th- that's my biggest win, I would say today. Well, that's it. I mean, everything, absolutely everything in life begins with self. It all starts yes. with you and yourself, and then yes. it just emanates outwards. So amazing! I think it's incredible, yeah. and it doesn't sound cheesy at all. <laughs> What do you think your unique skill set or superpower is that's helped you become successful? I love the word superpower because I've been using it for a number of years now. (laughs) (laughs) I would have to say that my superpower is my self-awareness and the ability to see the magic in life. And because when I, when I'm aware of myself and I'm aware of those around me and I can connect with them deeply that's where the magic begins. And when the magic is there, then I can make change. Um, so that's my superpower. It's just that self, that awareness that, that I'm constantly, um, keeping myself in, um, you know, in the moment, in the awareness of everything around me and, and who I am and, and my own, uh, the, my own magic, you know, that I bring to the table. And, uh, you know, for example, like I'll say to my team, you know, when I'm in a courtroom and I'm giving submissions, um, I am able to really sense what is resonating with a judge, what is mm-hmm. resonating with the people around me. And I know how to either enhance 
that information or just simply um, minimize that information and to be that aware of what is landing at any given time is very powerful. For sure. For sure. Speaking of success, how do you define the word success? What does that word mean to you? Hmm. I would say that um, success for me anyways, is a deep understanding of who I am and the connection consistently always to my, um, my inner being, my inner self. And the reason why I say that is because the minute I get disconnected, things fall apart. And so for me, that comes through yoga and meditation and uh, meditation in particular, and a lot of reading and, and a lot of learning about myself. So if I'm not doing that, then nothing else matters. Really, nothing else ever happens. Yeah, yeah. What would you say is one of the best pieces of advice you've ever received? <laughs> um, you know, uh, I, I thought about this question as well. And um when I was very young, one of my siblings who I don't really have a relationship with at this time in my life, mm-hmm. but um, one of the best advice I got was from him. He said, you know, always read books, autobiographies and biographies of very successful people. And when you read them, always look, he didn't actually tell me why I was reading them, but this is what I came to learn as to Mm -hmm. why I was reading them was when I read them, I learned strategies and ways in which to live my life better. And I really got to hone in on what my values were and who I really am in, in the grand scheme of things. And then I guess if I was to say there was a second piece of advice is that everything is always working out for us in every, everything that happens to us is an opportunity to learn and to grow from and to use it as a tool for for self-improvement so yeah insightful okay yeah what makes you feel inspired or like your best self joanna when i witness kindness and love and when i see when, when people are truly inspired by the things that i say or do and when they are doing things that uh, that inspires me and and when i see people uh, performing acts of kindness or or just simply in love with themselves and in love with the world uh, when i say in love i don't mean it from a narcissistic perspective right. i'm meaning you know really truly love themselves to the degree that they can share that love with others mm-hmm. that inspires me amazing what was a turning point in your life and how did that affect you that's pretty easy my son yeah. <laughs> the birth of my son when I was 22 and when I had to make that decision that you know I had to model for him something greater and better and mm-hmm. I had I had to make that decision and I did not want his life to be like mine um, I wanted him to have more opportunity and um, I I knew that I was the only one that could make that happen well, yeah. once he became old enough, he made yes, it happen for course, himself too. Course. But but at that point, in that moment, yes. Amazing. Okay, we're going to do a little rapid fire section here. So the next group sure. of questions will be just like one, two, three word answers, okay? Sure. How would you describe yourself in one word? The persistent joy seeker. <laughs> Money or fame? Neither. I feel that a connection to source is perhaps the most important piece. Okay. Early bird or night owl? Early bird, for sure. If you were writing your autobiography, what would the title be? 
a seat at the table in search of self. I love that. That's great. If you could teach the world one thing, what would it be? There's nothing more important than knowing yourself and how we are all connected to each other. And that's where the power comes from. What is one of your favorite entrepreneurial books? I don't know that I have a favorite entrepreneurial book, but I will say that the first book that really got me inspired was The Way of the Wizard by Deepak Chopra. Okay. If you could change one thing about the world, what would you change? Oh, the ability to stay in love with ourselves and to find peace within. What's one thing you want but cannot buy with money? Inner peace and the capacity to love. (laughs) (laughs) What is your favorite stress-reducing activity? Watching inspiring movies and laughing a lot. And, of course, yoga and meditation. That goes without saying. Yes, of course. (laughs) (laughs) If you had a theme song that played every time you walked into a room, what Mm. song would that be? I have a dream by ABBA. (laughs) (laughs) You know, but the one from Mamma Mia, the one that's sung by Lily James. Okay. (laughs) Entrepreneur life is? Magical. My favorite way to unwind is? A glass of wine with chips and having a conversation with my husband and my son. Awesome. The last book or podcast I listened to or read was? Uh, Just this morning, Lessons for a Good Life um, by Junius Salzberg. Okay. That concludes our rapid fire section. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Joanna, (laughs) who in your life has had the biggest impact on you and why? My son, because he is, um, he really, he pushes me to be better than I was yesterday. And he challenges every aspect of my character and in good ways and in not so good ways. But um, I, I learn how to be better for him. Okay. And of course, my, my husband, I can't yeah. forget my husband. He challenges me a lot and, and he definitely makes me better than I was yesterday. So yes. <laughs> what is the most recent investment you've made in yourself? Uh, a pair of happy shoes. I like to wear funky, colorful, bright shoes. Okay. So I like, I call them my happy feet. And right. uh, whenever I look at them, I feel joy. Very good. <laughs> What is your personal motto? Uh, my personal motto. Uh, motto. Oh, that's a very good one. Um, my personal. Be better than the, to be better than I was yesterday, and that I'm a work in progress. Awesome. If you could go back and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would that piece of advice be? Take it easy and know the source lives in you, and that you really can't fail. And lastly, Joanna, if you were to deliver your last 30-second speech to the world, what would that last 30 seconds sound like? Joy, love, peace, all within your reach. Beautiful. I love it. Well, Joanna, thank you so much for taking the time to be here today and share your story and your journey and your struggles. And I really appreciate you taking the time. You are a true inspiration. This conversation has been so amazing. I've thoroughly enjoyed chatting with you and learning about your story. I think you are an incredible inspiration with all the work you're doing. Thank you. I really appreciate that. Thank you for allowing me to be here. Oh, it's my pleasure and honor, honestly. The way you approach the law and, and, and your life is just 
so incredible and so inspirational. So thank you. I appreciate that. Thank you. Once again, my name is Brad Walsh, host of your Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest has been Joanna Shaw. She is the principal lawyer and founder of JMS Law based in Barrie, Ontario. Thank you so much, Joanna. I hope you have an amazing rest of the day. Thank you, and you too. Thank you very much for listening to this podcast. If you haven't yet, please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share with all your friends. You can find me at visuphoria.ca, follow me on Instagram at Empowerography Podcast, and on Facebook at Empowerography. Please join me next time for another inspirational story from yet another amazing woman.